Yeah, sometimes I hear you and Roland talking about the GSL. You guys need to calm down. This is a recreational league. Hey, this is Craig Dillstrom Media. This is DJ Kaya. This is Elliot D'Souza. Hey, this is Jason D'Souza from Aldona. Hey, this is Nash Lobo from Aldona. This is Pascal D'Souza from Calgary. Hey, this is Roland D'Almeida. Hey, this is Roland Nascarenas. Hey, guys, this is Ron Montero from Lopalin. Hi, this is Roy Fernandez from Donna Paula. This is Ryan D'Souza from Cola. Hey, this is Steffi DeCruz. Hey, this is Tony Nazareth, and you are listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the GSL. The GSL. GSL. GSL Podcast. And you're listening to the GSL Podcast. Welcome everyone back to the third episode of this season's GSL podcast. Man, I'm feeling great about the uh, season so far. I know it's only been a couple episodes, but uh, we have another great episode for you today. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this season. One thing that I've really liked so far is that a lot of people have been sending in questions or shout outs or, or responses to the thing they're hearing on the podcast, which is really great. As I said at the beginning, I want to get as many people involved as possible. So please, please, please keep sending in your messages and predictions and and responses and uh, I'll keep talking about them on the show and you're going to see there's a lot more today as well. All right, let's jump right into the news. So the time has come. This weekend I will be getting married. Thank you to everyone who's approached me during the games, after the games, in the parking lot, saying congratulations and asking how I'm feeling. A lot of people have been asking, do I have cold feet? Do I have warm feet? So uh, typical questions, you know, you ask a going bachelor. Uh, I only have three more days left of being in that going bachelor club. But my future wife has assured me that I will still be allowed to come to all the games and continue the podcast. So a lot of people worried that the podcast would be over once I got married. Do not worry, it will still continue. But that being said... After this weekend, I will be traveling on my honeymoon. For those interested, I will be going to Maui. So looking forward to that. But that does mean we won't have another podcast episode for three whole weeks. Now, before you panic, um, three weeks, like two and a half weeks from now is the uh, long weekend. So there are no games. So it's really only two weekends of games that I'll be missing. Also, when I get back, I'll just do a quick recap of the games that I missed, like the scores and things like that. Unless people message me in, you know, really uh, big, big moments that stand out or if there's a big upset, maybe I'll go into more of that. But because I will be away, I won't be able to do my normal uh, in-depth recaps that you guys are used to. I'll be more relying on your messages, the GSL Insider, of course, who will not be joining me in Maui, for those that were wondering. And... Um, and the website, uh, maybe Sippy will have a match report or they'll just list all the goals and things like that. So unfortunate that uh, the podcast will have to stop for two weeks, but don't worry, it'll be back in July and we'll have uh, regular episodes at that time. You've got mail, 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 you've got mail, mail, you've got mail, 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 you've got mail, 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 you've got mail, mail, mail. It's the transfer news that just won't go away. We have fan mail from Jeremy Pinto of Colva. I think Jeremy might be the captain of Colva now. I might be Ryan Santiago and Jeremy's like co-captain or something. I think, I think he's pretty prominent on the team. Um, anyways, he mailed in to say, 
I don't think anyone should be commenting on Colva and Austin's transfer other than Austin. To be honest, we are not sure why he decided to leave either. We were under the impression he was not playing in the GSL this season. FYI, Austin was never a captain of the team. So this is big news in this transfer. Uh, for those of you that have been following, uh, Austin, a longtime member of Colva, was featured in a game for Margao. He switched teams to Margao. Last episode, uh, it turns out his agent, DJ Kaya, is the one that authored this move. Um, but now we have a representative of Colva saying um, that that's not what happened. It has nothing to do with playing time. It seems like they're not even sure why. So credit to Jeremy for, for mailing in and clarifying. Uh, as I said, it's always great to get other people's input. And I did mention on the previous episode that this was a lot of speculation, even on the behalf of uh, the agent, uh, Kaya, because the agent has come forward and said he's representing him and he's authoring all these trades and transfers, but we, we don't even have word from Austin that this is confirmed. So uh, the GSL Insider did report that Austin is on vacation currently. Um, and we'll be returning soon. So hopefully uh, this is a shout out to Austin. Please do contact us, thegslpodcast at gmail.com. Email your thoughts. What's going on? Was this for a new challenge? Was this for a playing time? Was this a last minute decision? Why does Colva think you're not playing at all? Um, a lot to clarify on the behalf of Austin. Hopefully we can get a direct quote from him himself because I agree with Jeremy. Uh, everything we're saying is just speculation uh, unless we talk to the man himself. So interesting news in this transfer. Um, we also have some breaking news being revealed by the GSL Insider. Breaking news. Oh, snap. News is broken. Breaking news. So according to the GSL Insider, Bugmalo has uh, been offloading some players. This, is, once again, is just a rumor going around. Bugmalo previously revealed to have 22 players registered but can only play 18 at a time. Originally, I thought, I think like many people, that those extra players were just backup players or reserves just in case of injury or vacation, things like that. You know, a lot of teams have extra players above the uh, the maximum of 18. Uh, Aldena included, our team also does that. Um, but now I've heard that I guess all 22 might be wanting to play, so it's causing some strife within Bangmalo, so they will have to offload some players. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, Donna Paula is desperate for players, and I think uh, a transfer could be struck between Bangmalo and Donna Paula, maybe even a one-season loan. Um, that's happened many times in the GSL before where a player will go for one season to another team, get tons of playing time, develop, and usually the team they went on loan to will try and steal them and keep them long term, but m most of the times the, the original team will get them back eventually. Um, so I think that would be a great uh, thing if Bugmalo and Donna Paula could work on that, so I highly encourage them to do so. Next up, we also have news coming in from the agent DJ Kai. I feel like I'm going to eventually need to come up with a new sound drop for when we hear from the agent, uh, just because he is the only official, actually he's not even an official player agent, I'm still waiting on Austin to confirm that he's signed under DJ Kaya. I also wonder how that works, because there's no transfer fees or money in the GSL, um, so how is he paying Kaya? We all pay registration fees, so does he pay Kaya more than that? Does Kaya pay part of the registration fee? These are the questions that, uh, that I really wonder about, but coming in from the agent, he wants to confirm that yes, the Austin transfer is real. He was involved and that it is a big transfer. Um, according to the agent, the only bigger transfer that could happen in the league would be if Ron were to leave Lotalim and go to Margao. Now, all due respect to all the parties involved, but I think, you know, on the spectrum of Austin leaving Colva and going to Margao and uh, Ron leaving Lotalim to go to Margao, 
think there might be you know a little bit of a gap there there might be some transfers in between that maybe would show the full spectrum of the gsl and the different players involved so enough about that uh, as i said austin reached out to us clarified the issue uh, but it's time to move on to some match recaps All right, let's get into some match recaps. On Sunday, first game we had was Kolva versus Bugmalo, with Kolva winning 5 to nothing. Goals from Jason Diaz. Yes, I see you, Jason Diaz. You haven't uh, talked to me this season yet, but don't think I've forgotten about you. Uh, Nikhil Cadbet, uh, Ryan Santiago, Marcellus D'Souza, and Jeremy Pinto. Jeremy Pinto emailing in and also scoring a nice goal. Um, so uh, I'd like to welcome back into the studio, straight from India again, uh, Roland Mascarenhas. Roland, how's it going? It's going great. I'm uh, a bit shocked by this uh, huge Kolva upset. Uh, they're really, you know, making a stand five nothing. I think Bogmalo. This is not really what they anticipated. Jo- you know, rejoining the league this year. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I would call it an upset. I mean, Bogmalo and new team Kolva on the up and up, especially after last season. Uh, as mentioned before, they are missing Johnny Van Dreen, which was a huge breakout star last year. One thing I will mention is that after this game. I did uh, approach Sippy just to say hello, and I said, oh, what was the score? What happened? And he says it was 5 nothing, but, you know, he's not looking at the score. He said that, you know, they're a new team, a lot of new players trying to figure out how to play with each other. They're back in the league for the first time after a while, and all they want to see, all he wants to see is improvement. For example, he said that they scored four quick goals, um, so it was 4 nothing. but in the second half, they only scored one goal. It was one nothing. When I was there and I was watching the game, I did notice that, Bogmolo had a lot more chances in the second half, and Kolva was kind of just kind of sitting back. Now, this could be a combination of two things. One, Kolva had very minimal subs, so they were obviously tired in the heat. And two, because they were up 5 nothing, you know, even the strongest teams do get complacent. They sit on their lead. They don't really care as much about the game. So are you buying into what Sippy's saying? Do you think that the score doesn't really matter? All that matters is showing improvement from half to half? Or is that just something you tell yourself when you're losing by a lot? Well, I think that that's a that's a really good question. I think Sippy's probably have a difficult time balancing doing this balancing act because on one hand, you really want to show improvement throughout the stages of the season, and early on the season there is a little bit of experimentation. But it's one thing that this is one nothing, two nothing, and you know Colva scored you know towards the end of the game. But this is really a big blowout, and I don't think this is, this is exactly what Bogmala expected when they really joined the league. Rejoin the league, have so many defeats, you know, really early on. I think that could be demoralizing, and it's difficult to, to really undo a lot of this. So I think you want to show growth, you want to show patience, but you know, you know, privately, Sippy's probably blasting his players because five nothing is a huge blowout, especially in the GSL where you rarely get these. Yeah, I must say, I agree with you. Uh, I love Sippy's approach in the sense that he's he is looking at the big picture the whole season, and I think his coaching style is perfect for a GSL team that is back in the league. Uh, but at the same time, I agree, you know, you don't want to be losing by blowouts even when you're experimenting and trying to find your footing. That being said, let's flip over to the other side. Kolva, a great win for them. Uh, doing well so far this season. Two blowout wins and one tie versus us. Uh, do you think this is a continuation of their breakthrough season last year? Or do you think it's just a matter of fact that they've played some of the lower teams in the league so far? Well, I think it's a really good start. I mean, they're really putting a statement early on that they're a team to be reckoned with. I think, like I mentioned in the, in, the, in the recent podcast, a lot of it depends on really where do they compete against Margao, Aguada, and Lothlin. Those defining games in the midst of the season will really tell us how they, they will compete in the playoffs. 
Next up, we have Aldana versus Donna Paula with uh, the Going Soccer website reporting it as a score of 3 to 1. That's right, I'm not sure what I'm reading because the score was 3 to nothing. Uh, a rare error by the GSL website, but I'm sure the league is looking into it. Um, Daniel D'Souza, it's written here, scored a goal for Donna Paula, but did not score. Um, as for Alden, you know, three, three goal scorers, but it's really only need to talk about the first goal, Roland. Uh, a beautiful pass uh, from the winger to the center with myself collecting it, beating a defender and shooting it into the top right corner. And, you know, in previous episodes, a lot of people have always expected me to, you know, brag about goals and that, you know, I don't do that. I try and remain as humble as possible. But overall, a 3-0 win for Aldena. Um, now, it was actually good to play Donna Paul. They've been blown out twice. I was worried that it would just be a team that's you know unorganized, haphazard. And I noticed two things about this team. The first thing is they arrived early. They were warming up as a team in formation, doing stretches. Very impressive warm-up. Uh, very together as a team. I was very happy to see that. But the second thing I noticed is once the game started, absolutely no organization. They had no structure, no leadership. They actually had in the middle of the game, in the middle of play, saying, hey, you, are you fast? Why don't you go to the winger and switch someone to the middle? Like, this is a, it's the least organized team I've ever played against. And I think that could be explaining what is going on with their team. Because talent-wise, they have a lot of players trying to play the right way, trying to play short passes to each other. They have a phenomenal central midfielder in uh, Gary Barreto, uh, as well as uh, a ton of youth all around him. So from your experience, Roland, you see a team... It's completely lacking structure formation. They've done obviously a full warm-up, so they're just missing that leader maybe to sit down with them and go through a formation. This is exactly why I mentioned them losing Roy to Bungmala was a huge loss because Roy, I think, is exactly that leader that could talk to them about tactics, formation. So from your experience, how do they fix this? I don't think they have the person in place right now to, to really organize them and galvanize them, and they're young. They need that influence. So... What, what do they do? How do you solve this problem for Donna Paula? So as someone who works in human resources and also has done a lot of change management, I've seen a variety of teams and organizations in disarray. So the first thing that really Donna Paula has to do is, you know, they're in a chaos state right now. So they really have to create a roadmap of what they're going to do one step at a time. The first thing is there's obviously a huge vacuum in leadership. Abel is a very good manager. He's got very good relationships. But in terms of on the field, who is that person that's really going to step up and drive the team forward? Off the field, what can they do to really fill in that aspects of structure that they're missing? So I agree with everything you've just said. I think the second thing, which is, you know, they have to really figure out in a few games and actually fairly quickly is what is their philosophy going to be? Are they going to be in the counterattack? Are they going to be sitting deep? Because they're not only not going to be able to build depth if they're still trying to experiment as the game goes on, switching one winger to here, one winger out there, that should be in practice. In games, it's all about execution. I agree with you. One thing I think that they could easily um, do, I'm, I'm curious about your opinion on this, is they have the youth, they have stamina, they have young energy. Often when you're young, it's hard to get a sense of the game, maybe how the game's flowing, positioning, uh, counterattacking, things like that. Sometimes it's a little bit more nuanced and difficult to figure out. But one thing I think it's easy for them is to use their energy, use their youth. They put no pressure on the ball at all. One thing I notice is when we're playing and I pass it to a teammate, he's got time to turn around, to look for a pass, pass it to his, pass it to his uh, teammate. So is that, is that something simply you would say, you know, just apply pressure, run after the ball? 
or could that lead to a negative aspect where they're just blindly chasing the ball around the field? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think if uh, you know, team pressing is actually a difficult concept and it actually has to be coordinated, but basically it's one or two people pressing the person on the ball and the third person really filling in the channel. Once you get that coordination down pat, I think it can be really effective, especially as a lot of defenders in this GSL are very weak on the ball. They don't really have the composure and you can easily pin back the left back and right backs in these league. So I agree with what you said. You know, sitting back deep and really reading plays and playing zonal marking actually is quite difficult. But, you know, playing playing a high-pressure game, sort of like what Jurgen Klopp did at Dortmund with an assortment of very young, unproven players initially at, at his tenure and really developing them into one of the German champions and one of the best teams in the world can really, really help a lot. One last note about this game. Uh, about 20 minutes into the game... Actually, first thing I want to mention I totally forgot is uh, about 15 minutes into the game, we actually had a player go down injured. So we were playing short. We were playing 10 pretty much the entire game. Uh, which actually was it was good because it was challenging for us, but it it also made for a, a close, uh, intense game. So that was kind of nice. But about 20, 30 minutes into the game, uh, I was given a yellow card for calling a player an idiot, uh, and I was the first person to admit, you know, that was not the right thing to do. It was just heat of the moment. I actually apologized to the player at halftime, uh, but I got a yellow card, and this is the first yellow card I've gotten in like at least five years. I can't remember the last one, and I spent the entire rest of the game being terrified. Every time I go for a tackle, every time I'd argue anything, I was worried about getting a second yellow card and a red. Now, Roland, you're no stranger to yellow cards. You get them very, very consistently. Can you just give us a mindset of, you want to play with that intensity, you're likely to get a first yellow and a late tackle, slide tackle, things like that, but you don't want to adjust your game to avoid a yellow, but at the same time, you don't want to play soft or, or less intense. So from your experience having done this many times, how do you play when on a yellow card? How do you deal with that anxiety? Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, the first time is always a little bit nerve-inducing and there's a lot of anxiety but you know with more practice <laughs> with more practice you get used to it I definitely think uh, you have to be cautious and thankfully the referees are really good with that I think the one thing about getting a yellow which it really tells you know, defenders or defensive players is that you really need to work on jockeying I mean I, when I often got a yellow I was slide tackling late and so forth and what it really told me is when you look at defensive midfielders like Dunga in the 1970s he barely ever slide tackled so basically, man marking the guy, watching what he's doing and jockeying him and taking the ball from his feet is much more effective than going for an aggressive, you know, English Premier League style tackle. All right, perfect. Let's uh, move on to the next game. We had Aguada versus Margal. This is one of the first, uh, you know, tight matches between two really top tier teams last year. I was very excited to see this game. Final score was Margal 2, Aguada 0, uh, with goals from Dwayne Lobo Perez and Gavin DeMello. Um, it also should be noted that uh, Aguada actually missed a penalty shot with Casey DeMello taking it and missing it. Um, I believe, uh, according to the GSL Insider, he actually didn't even hit the target. Um, but also, this happened after it was ready 2-0 with uh, Dwayne scoring a penalty of his own. Uh, early in uh, the first half, uh, Gavin had a very nice goal. Um, Gavin, as you know, uh, you've known him for a long time, a lethal finisher, went in the box. So for me, this, this kind of illustrates the beauty of Margao. Um, they had a rough season last year. They come back. They're undefeated. Haven't let a goal in. And look at the score sheet. Dwayne Loba Perez, Gavin DeMello. You talked last week. They have guys up and down their spine that are extremely talented. But who else is going to step up? But then you have games like this. They're playing the, the current reigning back-to-back -back champions in Aguada. They didn't need anyone else to step up. They have Dwayne and Gavin to step up. So, so is this a recipe for Margot's success for the whole year, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think it's a little bit too early to tell. I think it is an impressive victory and, 
you know, you'd expect two of the major stars of Margo and to really score, and they did come through. I do think Aguada tends to be like this early on the season. They tend to be laid back. They tend to be have some defeats here and there, and it doesn't really get to them, which is impressive to them. I think Margo is really making a statement. I should say though, you know, a decade ago, uh, I did, uh, you know, kind of man mark Gavin DeMello, who was a right back for York University Lions, was actually served as a striker for Margo, and he was probably one of the most difficult players that I had to mark. He's someone who can strike the ball with both feet. He's got a razor sharp mind. He's got a certain level of intensity that you know game in, game out, he will compete and he's there to win. So I think seeing him with injuries and seeing him, even though he's slowed down with age, he still maintains that intensity, that technique. He's frequently one of the best goal scorers in this league in terms of the quality. I think that shows you that you know, although he hasn't really settled on a, on a position, we know he's going to bring that intensity to an attacking uh, the attacking perimeter, but I do think I'm gonna interested in seeing how is Margot really gonna develop these other players outside of the Bradleys, the Gavins, and the Dwaynes. Yeah, so uh, they're fortunate they have such a good core that they do have time to develop these other talents. Uh, Gavin himself, I completely agree with you. He's actually a, also a very good free kick taker. Might be one of the best in the league. He's lethal around the 18 yard box with free kicks. So that's kind of an underrated talent of his. As for Guada, I agree with you. It's early in the season. A lot of times they don't have their full rosters, or even if they do, they haven't played with each other in a while. So they usually have these results, but later on in the season they pick it up, especially gearing up towards playoffs. Moving on to the last game of the day, we had Lotalum versus Mopsa. This was a victory for Lotalum, 4 to nothing, with a hat-trick uh, from Keegan and another goal from Ron Montero. Um, this, is a, this is a game last week predicted Lotalum to easily win, especially... Uh, having tied their first game and wanting to get out to a fast start. You know, between them and Marga, usually for the league title, it can come down to a single game, a single goal. So it's usually a very tight race. Um, I expected them to have an easy win, and they did. Um, do you think that these types of games are always going to just be standard Lotalum beating Mopsa? Or do you think Mopsa will find that formula to fight back against uh, the bigger teams? Or should they just focus on the teams maybe in mid to bottom tier and, and win those games instead? I mean, I, I really don't know how to make sense of Mops at this point. They show some intensity, some competitiveness in games, but losing 4 nothing against a Lotalum, which is, from what I've gathered, is not at their best right now, is is a bit surprising. You expect if it was a 2 nothing 2-1 game, that's what, what's really expecting. I think what I find really interesting is, you know, Keegan Moraes scoring a hat-trick. I mean, this is a player, very tricky, very clever, you know, inside forward, who really hasn't... You know, been on the scene in terms of the MVP race in the past few seasons, and suddenly out of nowhere, he scores a hat trick. He's one of a former Golden Boot winners for the GSL. He's a very quick, very quick uh, player who can you know run through the channels or really strike a great ball on a free kick or in the corner net, though. So I think uh, one of the reasons uh, you haven't seen his name as much in the score sheet, I should mention, is that Lotalim has kind of varied his position a lot, and he has been playing center back for a little while. The reason he hasn't been in the MVP race is, in my opinion, Keegan is a very, very, very solid player, but he's not a game changer. Uh, people like Neil, you could put them on a different team and they will literally change the shape of that team. Ron, Gavin, Dwayne, Jason D'Souza. These are names that are always thrown on the MVP race. And it's because they're forming at 11 that they can win games by themselves. Whereas Keegan, I felt, has always been an amazing complement to an already good team that is low to limb. But we're curious to know, what do you guys as the listeners think? All right, let's just blaze through these real quick. 
as this episode is already a little bit longer, but we won't have another episode for two more weeks, so that's okay. First up, we have Lotalum versus Bugmalo. I think Lotalum is going to continue their winning streak. I say 3 nothing for Lotalum. I say 2 nothing. I don't see any sign that Bugmalo really is changing their style, so hopefully things can change for them. Next up, we have Margo versus Aldana. Um, obviously biased because I'm on Aldana, but I do feel like this will be a close game, but I think Margo will come up with a victory 2-1. to one. I think Margo will take this. It'll be a shutout. It'll be 2 nothing. Next up, we have Aguada versus Donna Paula. I think part of this will depend on who shows up for Aguada, but I think Donna Paula will take some uh, credit from a, a tight-fought game against us. I'd predict Aguada to win one to nothing. I think this could actually be a potential upset, so I'll call a draw 1-1. Next up, and finally, we have Mopsa versus Kolva. This is actually a very interesting game. Kolva, as I said, doing well this season. Mopsa really needing a bounce-back victory. I feel like they have a really good game in them, but Kolva is, I think, a little bit too strong. That being said, I'm going to predict a tie 1 to 1. I think this is actually going to be a big game for Kolva. I'm going 3 0 for against Mopsa. All right, that concludes our match predictions. Before we say goodbye, Roland, I just want to touch base with you. I noticed uh, when I was at the GSL this weekend, there were a lot of uh, missing players. A lot, a lot, it seemed like teams were very starving for subs. As I mentioned, our own team had no subs. Um, Donna Paula was short on subs. Uh, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what's going on? Are people sick? Are people away? And then I, I found out everyone had abandoned the GSL games and gone on a boat. It was a GOA boat cruise that uh, had stolen a lot of players. And you were one of those people on the boat. So just a quick summary. I mean, how was the boat cruise? Uh, did you have fun hanging out with lots of players? I guess you hadn't seen a lot of people in a long time. Yeah, I've been away from Toronto for 15 months now. And it was great to see a lot of the fellow players there. Also, a lot of people from the GOAM community there. And I, the, some of the first people I ran into was... Byron, Sean, Jason, and Ryden from Aldena, all of which were, you know, balancing being a little bit wasted and inebriated at the same time trying to enjoy their time in the boat crew. So they're constantly looking at their phone for updates at halftime versus Donna Paula, but at the same time somehow dancing to the soca music at the same time. So I guess that's talent for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we always support the uh, GOA events, GOA youth uh, events. So really great that they had a good turnout and it was a successful event. Um, last thing I need to get from you is, I mean, you're my brother, but no one is spared by the GSL Insider. I have heard a rumor that you will be making a star sub appearance for, I don't know which team they're not able to confirm, but that you will be playing this weekend and that you actually are already registered. Can you confirm or deny this? You know, at this time, Wendell, as much as I love you as a brother and the best man at your wedding, I cannot provide any information on this. It is absolutely confidential. There is some paperwork that I'm dealing with, and obviously it's it's coming over from India, so that's another hassle, but I'm hoping to be a super sub at one of these games. I will say, I have been speaking to agents to help facilitate this, and I've heard some reviews about DJ Kai in the podcast, but based on this whole Austin D'Souza saga, I'm not really sure if I'll be signing with him and giving him a commission of one going sausage. Oh, so, I mean, it's great to know what DJ Kai demands as an agent. And to be honest, based on how this saga is going so far, I'm not sure DJ uh, can handle any more clients at this time. So maybe it's better if you if you manage yourself at this point. That's it for this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Good luck to all the teams this weekend. And I'll see you in a few weeks back with the GSL podcast and a brand new episode. <laughs>